What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. Jessica Hopkins, who's in the house today with us, and we're going to have a great show today. Uh, Oscar Lopez here. Welcome to Gridiron Blitz, right here on uh, Apple Podcasts and Block Talk Radio, episode 215. And we're going to be having the four-time All-Fantasy All-Star and two-time Legends Cup champion of Legends Football League uh, of the Seattle Miss, Jessica Hopkins, in the house. And in about an hour, we are going to have another legendary athlete Odessa Jenkins of the 2017 Dallas Elite and the current Texas Elite Spartans of the IWFL along with co-owner Bryant Seawall and we're going to be talking IWFL 2018 as well so uh welcome to the Blitz kind of going solo today uh got our whole crew not here today so uh once we get them in the house um next week but uh the WFA All-Star is not going to be with us today the uh um, quarterback Louis Bean and Troy Wilson couldn't make it today. So uh, yours truly going solo here with two legends in the house. So pretty exciting times uh, so far uh, in the off season for women's football, but also in the NFL as of today, the NFL rule changes, the catch rule, which they kind of uh, admitted that they screwed up on 
And then the helmet to helmet rule, which I don't think uh, it's going to benefit anybody, but they sort of put it together where they are now um, kind of like getting so critical of everything that the game is going to be something of, uh, you know, going to be criticized by the average fan. This is where the AAF, um, the AAF um, is going to take advantage of that. The XFL should take advantage of that. Um, and that's going to be pretty awesome because if people want certain things uh, to be like normal, like it was, then this is a case where maybe people are going to shine away from the NFL and go towards the other leagues. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy to think that uh, this is going to happen in, to pro football in, uh, in America. Um, a lot of people got to see, a lot of people get to see, you know, overseas football in Europe as well as they get to see like the new league in Mexico as well. So that's kind of crazy uh, to, to think that the NFL is doing themselves in. But uh, overall, I check out the articles uh, out of the Boston Globe. One of the articles, pretty awesome article that we posted on our Facebook page at Great Iron Beauties. It's the helmet to helmet rule um, and how, how that will affect the NFL. Then we had the other article by Yahoo Sports uh, that we shared out there. It was the catch rule. And so um, that right there in itself is just like, you know, what are you going to do? You, you, you're either going to do yourself in or you're going to, I mean, it's just, it's too much, too many changes. They were going to do the, the catch rule first, and then they decided to go with the helmet to helmet. And this helmet to helmet rule is uh, at discretion. So who do you, who do you boot out? Who do you eject? Uh, it's, um, it's kind of crazy. I don't know. Um, check out our actual, uh, subscribe to our Apple podcast and download over 200 episodes with amazing athletes and coaches that we've done over uh, almost a four or five year period. Go to the uh, Apple uh, podcast, look at Grand Reviews, or you can go to our links on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, check out our YouTube channel for amazing shared videos of girls playing American football globally. Uh, check it out at youtube.com, search Great Iron Beauties. And don't forget to visit our Zazzle shop for cool t-shirts, leggings, and gifts. Use daily codes daily, save big at zazzle.com forward slash Great Iron Beauties. And if you go to uh, get Zazzle Black for about 10 bucks, get free shipping. So uh, let's go into the no-joke football huddle here, and we'll get back to NFL later in the hour here. Um, but let's go into the huddle, sponsored by Zazzle.com. And we are going to have in the house right now the privilege and honor to have two-time Legends Cup champion uh, and four-time All-Fantasy All-Star Jessica Hopkins in the house. Jessica, how are you doing today? Doing well. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, I'm assuming you're doing fantastic as well. So no hits, no off-season workouts, yeah. no bruises. <laughs> oh, well, you <laughs> know, it's better life. regular. Uh, yeah, it is. I'm definitely not hurting as bad. But, yeah, now reality sets in, and i got to just work out like a normal person, which is just not as fun. <laughs> well, um, you know what? I, I, I was kind of like I, – I didn't say stalking because, you know, all your fans yeah. love you. So, but technically – uh, yeah, it's a different, di- different than Jessica Hopkins. You know what I mean? More lively. Uh, you got your son to work with. You got the girls' camps going on. Uh, a lot True, more things yeah. happening that you were doing before. So um, we wanted to bring you on, and I wanted to bring you on because we have a lot of fans on Twitter, and so you know they obviously love you for everything you've done in the league over your tenure. So uh, we want to just kind of figure out where you're at because uh, you're no longer in the league at this point. So 
Uh, are you starting the girls dream, the gridiron dream? Is that something you're, you're working towards now? And then you got your personal trainer uh, aspect that you've always had, even with the uh, playing right. days, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I've been a trainer for 15 years this summer. So I've been at the same, uh, the big health club here and on the east side of Seattle and it's a great place to work. So I'm totally happy there and it, it fit nicely with being a mom and, you know, it's fairly flexible and worked well with football, kept me in shape. So, um, just a good environment to be there. And then, yeah, actually, um, the gridiron girls, all football or all girls football camp is, we did it back in 2014. Um, was another girl that had played for the mist and I kind of put it together one year, just got really excited and motivated and wanted to give back, you know, and give girls an opportunity to learn the fundamentals of football, not necessarily tackling or anything, but just the basics. And, um, you know, we got away from it from 2015 to 17. Of course I was still playing. So my season was in the summer, so it was just kind of hard to pin down a weekend. But now that I'm not playing, uh, we're looking to bring it back and we're really excited about it. So, sounding like it's going to be at the end of July on the 28th. So uh, we'll be bringing back some of the old missed coaches that we had uh, four years ago. So it should be fun. Now, Jessica, sort of the Jen Welker type mentality where she's doing the flag clinics and stuff like that. Is this more of a clinic in that way, just to kind of get girls to understand football, but also get them kind of passionate to flag or even at some point to tackle? Yeah, um, you know, like I said, there's not a lot of opportunities out there for them to learn until they're, you know, quite a bit older. So we're hoping to get girls out there that are, you know, six, seven, um, that maybe want to play in a flag league one day or even tackle and just let them know that, hey, this is an opportunity and you can learn the game now and you'll have so much more of a head start than, you know, a lot of girls that are not learning until middle school, high school, or, you know, like me, I didn't learn the game until I was 29. So, um, yeah, just putting the opportunity out there, getting kids active and having fun and, you know, kind of taking away that pressure that, you know, if, if they want to do football, they might have to be the only girl in a camp with a bunch of boys and just kind of takes that intimidation factor out of it and just knowing that it's going to be all girls, so it's a little bit more enticing maybe to them and they feel a little bit more courageous and brave to do it. So, um, yeah, that's kind of our where our thinking's at. Now, Jessica, career-wise, um, you know, a lot of accomplishments, four-time All-Fantasy, uh, Overseas All-Stars in Australia and Mexico, Canada, uh, you know, obviously Legends Cup in Canada on top of that. So it's like three, three-time three Legends Cup champion. Um, I'm just including the, you know, the U.S. one, but three times. Right. Um, so it's kind of like uh, you've done it. You've, it. It was an experience, I guess, you know, if you want to call it, that you went pretty much everywhere. Uh, so you got an opportunity not to just to, you know be in the states, but you you got to experience something that most people don't get to experience. Uh, you know, a pack house overseas, sort of like a big you know concert of some sort. And so, um, <laughs> tell us about how that you know did you ever, did you even think when you first started back in 2011 that it would you would be in a pack house in Mexico City or Australia and Brisbane? Oh no way, no. I mean. There'd only been one season when I started, and then I I wasn't really even aware that they had that first All Star game in Mexico. I knew that they, you know, Lindsay Blaine, who played the first season, she's the one that got me into it. She's a coworker of mine, and uh, you know, I knew she played like down in L.A. and you know, got to travel a little bit, so that was a little enticing. Like, oh, that could be fun, you know. I need to find out more about it, but 
yeah, it just kind of as the league blew up in 2011 and 12 and 13, these overseas All-Stars games, it, it definitely was uh, a nice incentive and motivation to perform well individually and and stand out to get those opportunities. So, yeah, um, being asked to play up in Canada was really cool with myself and uh, Christine Moore. Um, that was a lot of fun, just being that I'm from kind of, you know, basically almost Canada <laughs> up in Ferndale. So um, kind of fun to go up there and, and play somewhat near my hometown and get to travel all over Canada and got to go to Mexico City and play a game down there on Cinco de Mayo, which was a blast, and then get home and turn around three weeks later and head to Australia for two weeks. So, yeah, I can't complain. I definitely uh, am thankful I got in at a good time where the league was flourishing and lots of opportunities. And, uh, yeah, very very thankful that I was able to have those experiences. Jessica, the, the MTV deal, was that disappointing to everybody in the league? I know it was probably disappointing to Mitchell because you would have thought that you would have that, you know, and it would have maybe catapulted the branding to a higher level. Do you think not having the MTV deal or the MTV deal not being sustained, do you think that's hurt the brand over over this time? Not necessarily. I mean, we've had other opportunities. We were on uh, Fuse there for a season. We had our, our reality show there uh, pretty strong with the Chicago Bliss team. Um, and then uh, kind of going back to YouTube again. But, you know, I hope hope they can get us back on TV. It seems like we're on so ma- in so many countries from what I see, but, you know, it's hard to find anything here in the U.S., which is too bad because we have so many fans here that, you know, would love to see it nationwide and not just have to physically go to a game to see it or to see it after the fact when you've already seen, you know, the outcome of the game. So, yeah, it's tough. You know, I don't don't totally know what the plan is as far as um, getting it back on TV, but, you know, I'm, I'm sure Mitch is working towards that and just trying to find the right deal. So hopefully we'll get there. Now, you being away from the game uh, sort of has a tendency sometimes to kind of get to relax and things like that. So this year is kind of different because, um, you know, some of your teammates are over in Nashville for some reason. Uh, they right. ended up in Music City. Um, so it's kind uh-huh. of exciting. And then uh, I turn around and, and Danica is a mom. And then now she's right. a coach. And so, right. like, life, is, life has changed over a 12-month period completely. And then you have a couple of your teammates closer to where they live, obviously, because some of them were from Jacksonville originally, and they were just kind of right. flying all the way to Seattle. So um, how excited is that? I mean, think you, what do you think of Nashville at this point? you think Nashville is going to do well? I think they will. Obviously, they've got um, a, basically the Seattle Miss core players there as far as quarterback, both running backs. Uh, and then you got pretty much any position with Jade and uh, Danielle on – on the D line. So that's a solid crew right there. And then from what I've heard, they've also got pretty solid base of rookies. So, um, yeah, I think they'll do well. Um, I'm hearing that maybe Minnie and Nicole might be coming back up to Seattle. I don't think that's confirmed yet, but I've been hearing some rumors about that. So that would actually makes it kind of a more interesting, you know, storyline just being that they have been down there for the last, three months or, you know, on and off practicing with Nashville to play against Seattle. And now here they are, they may be playing against Nashville <laughs> after all that time with them. So it's definitely going to be interesting. Um, 
You know, this thing with this league is anybody can go pretty much anywhere. We're all free agents. Um, it's just a matter of, like, getting getting yourself to that city. So, you know, like, as far as I know, KK still lives up here in Seattle, and Stevie still lives in B.C., and Dom lives in Vegas, basically. So um, the fact that Nashville has owners and is able to, you know, fund those travel expenses for those players, I'm sure, was a huge draw for them as well as them being very good friends with Danica, I'm sure she had a, a large persuasive factor there um, to get those girls to go play down there. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, first game should be should be a good one. Now, you've experienced everything that the league has basically afforded. So franchising the teams, I think it's a good move in terms of longevity and stability. Uh, what mm-hmm. did you think of that news when it came out, when they, you know, they're – looking into maybe the franchise mode, which is like arena football style, which you have an ownership instead of a league-wide, you know, model. Um, I think that works well in some aspects because, you know, depending on the bad owner or owners, you get into problems there too. But overall, I think that's maybe a good strategy going forward because it makes you more legit uh, legit branding, sort of like the NFL. Right. Yeah, and I I think it's a good move. I know that he had – brought it up a a few years ago and uh you know i think just about every team that i know of has had some sort of interest as far as ownership but at that point from what i had heard maybe mitch was asking too much and maybe he just wanted to hang on to it a little bit longer you know he likes to be involved in all aspects of it it's his baby so you know he likes to have his hand in a little bit of everything that's going on with the league but i think you know he kind of has to just start letting go and letting these owners come in if he really wants it to grow to this 32-team league like he's got planned for, I think, expansion by 2028. He's supposed to have 32 teams. So there's definitely interest out there. I just I don't know, you know, the specifics of what he's asking. Is it reasonable? Um, but as you can see, it's already kind of influencing the league because you're getting a lot of these star players that maybe don't have a home team anymore that now – you know, have the opportunity to go play somewhere because their travel expenses are paid. So that's a huge bonus, you know, but we got to get girls to be able to stay in their hometowns and keep their home team so we don't have to, you know, have those unnecessary expenses. But I, th- I think it's going in the right yeah. direction from what I can tell. We'll kind of see what happens after this season if there's, you know, more teams that get owners. So, yeah, and we'll I think I'm not sure. That's a key, I think, really uh, for branding and for longevity in terms of a business model. I think that makes mm-hmm. very good sense going forward right. because that at that point, it's like more sponsors will come in. You have more opportunity mm-hmm. for, like you said, the players to actually at some point you know, maybe get paid, not just travel expenses, but maybe get for their on-play, on-field play. Um, so that's always right. been the issue from day yeah. one. Um, so, Jessica, the – the league has changed different markets, you know, up in, you know, Denver was a disaster last year. The acoustics <laughs> literally surprised everybody. Uh, the yeah. acoustics actually have been probably the best team in, in the, in probably the last year uh, in terms of, uh-huh. you know, a core of players and, and having a good mm-hmm. squad there besides the staple teams like Seattle, Los Angeles, and, you know, Chicago and Atlanta. Um, right. Do you see, do you see Austin maybe making an impact? I think they could. They seem to have just really good team chemistry. They all seem to be very close um, and all very committed um, together. So that's great. And they're all local players. So you don't have to worry about inconsistencies with, you know, people not being there certain weeks. 
Um, yeah, I think they'll do well. They've gotten better every year. It seems like they've got some solid coaching there, and everybody seems committed. So, you know, um, they're just going to have to step up and kind of get over that hump and start beat, knocking off some of these L.A.s and and uh, Seattle's. And, you know, that may happen this year with Seattle being basically kind of an expansion team this year. It'll be interesting to see how they do. Yeah, I think, but I think Michaelson probably left some good coaches that maybe want to stand out and make a name for themselves. So hopefully, they're not going to be the Denver of last year. You know what I mean? Hopefully, they're not. They don't go that of a slide, where they become. You know. Yeah, I don't think so. It'll it'll definitely be different, but. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they've definitely got their coaching experience. I don't know if they've coached women or arena football at all, but. I didn't have the best impression. I'll be honest. I met. I went to the first team meeting just to kind of check it out. So I was thinking about maybe helping coach. And, you know, it's hard after, you know, following Michelson around for eight years, you know, he's just so regimented and disciplined and organized. And, you know, he built the system that we had there, you know, as far as the offense, the defense, and just knows everything inside and outside of the league. So it was kind of hard to come in there and, and have a coach that, you know, first impression just didn't seem to really know what was going on. He didn't seem like he had a plan as far as what he wanted to convey to the, the athletes and the players. And it was just a little disconcerting. But, you know, it was first impression from what I've heard from the girls that are currently there. They're, they've made a lot of improvements. They, they like the coaches. Um, you know, they're doing some different stuff. Um, and they're, they're feeling pretty confident. They feel like their defense is, is really good. And, you know, offense is going to take some work, obviously. Um, I don't know what the quarterback situation is right now or will be, but you know, that'll all come together. Now, um, Jessica, your biggest rival is Los Angeles, Tui and company down there a lot, you know, Mm -hmm. Salerno and everybody else. Was that maybe the best rivalry for you? Definitely was. Yeah. And probably, I think up until 2013, when we finally beat them down in their house after they raised their, final championship banner <laughs> that was a pretty sweet moment um yeah we've always I bet it was close what's that I said I bet it was for you <laughs> oh yeah it was nice you know we're just sitting there after the national anthem watching their little ceremony and just you know just trying to just rolling our eyes like this is coming to an oh, yeah. end tonight <laughs> so it was nice <laughs> to see that happen but yeah um yeah we've always played them close they're always competitive you know, there might be a lot of smack talk and stuff, but at the end of the day, there's a lot of respect. You know, we've all, a lot of us have been playing a long time, so got to know each other outside of the game and um, just through social media and stuff. So, yeah, I think they'll they'll be a force to be reckoned with this year, just having as much experience as they do and knowing the other teams as well as they do. So I'm excited to watch them. All right, I'm going to throw you something off your career here. Sherman goes to mm-hmm. the Niners. We talked about it last week. <laughs> Uh, were you were you burning the shirts too, like every other Seahawks fan? No out way. There? No, I'll still rock my <laughs> my jersey. <laughs> hey man, at the end of the day, it's a it's a business and it's a job, and you know he's he got more money. I think he did a great and... deal. He made a great move. I think so too. Great deal. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a smart guy. I mean, he's smart. He's just, he just, is. Yeah, too smart. He knows what he's doing, and you know the incentives based thing. I think just you know all the incentives he's got lined up at the I don't know if they were actually like playing you know so many interceptions that kind of incentives but he just seems like a very driven guy and he's gonna get knock you know check each one of those off as he goes and go yep ching yep ching <laughs> he 
probably knowing him, that's what he's going to do. <laughs> pretty sure no right, I know, <laughs> and then he's going to have the last laugh. So, <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I was we were talking about the last week because uh, Holly's from Seattle, and she was saying if if and when Sherman uh, get beats the Seahawks more than once in a Niner uh-huh. uniform, you think you think the fans are going to go bonkers, or do you think they have enough respect? I think they'll have enough respect. As long as he <laughs> doesn't get a little too cocky and, you know, say you stuff. Go. Otherwise, I think <laughs> if he opens his mouth and says something, he'll probably lose a lot of Seattle fans. <laughs> seriously. Um, I, I was just laughing because they started burning stuff. And I'm like, seriously, this guy, it, they released him. It's not like, you know, he quit and said, I'm out of here. I'm out of town. I don't need to be here anymore. Uh, yeah, I thought it was kind of cool that he, he wrote that whole article on or his blog yeah. about how it all went down and how we should be mad at him, be mad at people that let him go. It was very smart. He's such a character. He's such a character. Um, so, you know, it's, it's just awesome to see on there. Uh, you got, you got a bunch of characters on your team. You had Norton on there too. She's always, you know, kind of brass talking and stuff like that. Uh, what yeah. can you tell us about, what can you tell us about uh, Snore? You play with her in Canada. Snore. Play with her pretty Good much in everywhere else. Yeah, I mean, what a talent! And uh, as a teammate, what do you, what did you, you know, what's your impressions at this point? I mean, she's awesome, but playing with her and stuff, it's got to be awesome. Oh yeah, oh she's very awesome. Just consistent, you know. It's like we feed the bull, you know, at a play that we just ran over and over, and it was just always there. So we just changed the name of it to the bull. <laughs> I mean, we just know the bull's getting no, in the middle. Doesn't matter who you're bringing. She's she's getting the first down. So she might cut back on you and get a touchdown. Who knows? But, yeah, just um, super consistent. She's always there. She never misses anything. Always positive, you know. And just a, a good coach as well. She's always helping others out. And, you know, if somebody has questions, she pretty much knows what everybody's doing. So just a great all-around player and teammate. Now, you know, playing rugby, I guess, does help a lot. <laughs> oh, for sure. In a way, playing yeah. playing in Great Legends Football League, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm it's sure like the, the contact's yeah. probably less in the LFL. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I've seen uh, some of those the, the reason I bring it up is because I have friends, and they're like, uh, "You got you need to play rugby." LFL is like yeah. a, a lower lower rugby type style of play. I'm like, okay, right. never played rugby, so <laughs> I'm assuming you know that's literally the case. Uh, a lot of rugby players technically want to try LFL because I guess, you know, just to see how aggressive it is. Right. Yeah. I would encourage them to do it. I'd say it's very similar, you know, probably a little bit less uh, uniform than you're used to. And, (laughs) you know, helmet's probably not an issue because you don't, you know, you probably know how to tackle properly. So, so yeah. Jessica, let's go back. Let's go back to 2011. You you start out. Mm-hmm. You go to. You make the trials. You make the team. Dallas, if I recall right, wasn't it? And I guess Dallas was your first game or something like that. And then, kind of launches everything for you. And then. Um, uh, 2009. Oh, so I started 2009. In yeah, at the end of the okay. first season, Dallas was in the league, and then the, the following season they folded. Um, so I never actually got to play them. We were supposed to play down at the Cotton Bowl in like January of 2010. Oh yeah, that's and, the uh, game they got canceled. Our, right, exactly. Right. Yeah, it was our last game. We were 0 and 3. I think they were. I think they must have been 0 and 3, or maybe they were 3 and 0. 
basically the game was pointless, so they didn't want to fly us down there, you know, and waste the money knowing that we weren't going to go on. And, and really, who wants to play in January outdoors in that uniform? So I was not too upset. <laughs> Makes sense. Um, yeah. So you, you, you make the team, everything's good, mm-hmm. and, then you, and then you get to a level of captain, you know, with uh, Michaelson mm-hmm. coming in and everything else. And so did that change your mindset of the game? I mean, the grilling of football, now you got to lead the team and all that? No, actually, I kind of, like, took it on myself. I just, you know, Michaelson does all these quizzes, and, you know, we have chalk talks, and he'll throw in these pop quizzes. He's got, you know, all this information about plays and terminology and even just stuff about the league, just knowing the background of the league and the other teams that are in the league and, you know, what's the schedule, when do we play, like all this stuff. And I was always, like, 95 to 100% on everything. Like, I just took it upon myself to, to study and to, to know all the information. And as you should, if you're getting into something like this, you should really know what you're getting into. But, um, no, I mean, before the first game, I was dubbed the captain. So I just kind of took it on from day one and was like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it. <laughs> and yeah, pretty much all through my career, I was captain. So pretty cool. Well, I have a question for you. Uh, one of the fans mm-hmm. uh, direct messaged me, and they were thinking that maybe you would be a good fit for the WWE Diva division. So I don't know if you're the man. WWE? The WWE. Oh, what's wrong with people? I am almost 38 years old. <laughs> I know that. I I'm my just share of throwing injuries. it out there because somebody threw it out me. Oh, well, uh, I think somebody, probably same person, probably messaged me that. No, I'm sorry. Uh, no aspirations for that. <laughs> no aspirations. Uh, but you know what? It would have been fun to see you maybe in a younger stage uh, because they get paid big money. So kind of like Danielle yeah, went sure. in there for a while to, to work right. it in so and work it yeah. out. Um, so, you know, the championships, uh, when you finally get the first one, I saw the emotion mm-hmm. on your face. The, you know, all the work, all the time, you know, you got your, your family and everything else to deal with. You got your work, your clients, you know, I mean, all this crunch time right. mentality as an athlete. And when you finally get it, um, you know, it was, uh, for me, it was nice to see it because you're an awesome player, but overall, just the fact that I know you started from the beginning and all of a sudden this is, you know, sort of an award for all the hard work that you put in. Definitely. Yeah. That was what, six, six years in. So took a while, you know, um, nice for some of the rookies on our team to get it their first year. That was kind of cool. Um, but yeah, it was, it was exciting and fun that it happened at home in front of our crowd and families and friends. So yeah, I couldn't have asked for a better first one. That's for sure. Now I played the clip earlier of all your, some of your TDs from back in the day. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. A, a lot of, a lot of um, Sherman in you. Yeah, <laughs> we had fun. Years, you know, a lot of Sherman. I mean, you're a ball hawk for sure. Yeah, we used to spend a lot of time, or maybe just I did, like dreaming up things we could do. You know, first first team touchdown, we were going to do some sort of team celebration, and it just kind of, you know, and then I'd come up with ones. Okay, if I get one, 
I'm going to do this, you know, and so, and then sometimes there was just ones that were spontaneous, like the beast mode, you know, jump onto the wall, grabbing your crotch, <laughs> and that just kind of like came out, <laughs> and no plans to do that, um, yeah, it was, we had fun, it was good times. Yeah, you got the group, the group uh, entrances were probably the highlight of most, of every, all fans in, in the LFL, the fact that you guys did all these group entrances, kind of like WWE style, well, show where it's I know, well, we started that in like, 2013 uh we were the first team to do that somebody came up with the idea i think literally like that day we found the dance on on youtube and the song and everything and practiced it in the locker room you know our coach chris would give us so much crap like you guys are more worried about your dance moves and your entrance <laughs> you guys better know the plays when you get out there <laughs> but you know it wasn't a very complex one that <laughs> first one but man once like kk came in I swear to God, like her colleague should be like a dance choreographer. <laughs> she would come up wow. with these dances and like, okay, guys, this is what we're going to do. And literally showing us on game day when we have all this other stuff to worry about. And now I got to stress about this choreography of this dance. So it was pretty funny, but you know, they were fun and definitely some memorable video clips. <laughs> now, Jessica, you've gone through a lot of quarterbacks, Ripken, Creole, um, and then you, you finally get Matheny here. Um, uh-huh. That transition, how was that transition for you? I mean, just a lot of quarterbacks and some success in some and, and others is just kind of a horrendous type of result where you just don't make the playoffs <laughs> in that sense. Right. Well, and I think that just came with, like, you know, Floral, <clears throat> we did really well as a team. We gelled really well as a group and – it's like we would just, I don't know if it was just a lack of experience, just not being able to get past that playoff game or, you know, make the big play. I think nerves came down to it. Um, I think, you know, get a little bit rattled right off the bat, and then it's just like we couldn't recover as a team, and it just kind of became contagious. But, you know, I I think like with Laurel and, and Ricky and Cherie and, Melee and Lala, that 2012, 2013 group was probably the best, like, most cohesive group that we've ever had as far as, like, you know, teammates and chemistry and friendships and all that. But it's just like we couldn't get over that hump. We got really close. And then uh, come 2014, then that's when Angela came in, or maybe end of 2013 she came in, but Laurel retired. So Rippin was there for. 2014, along with uh, my former quarterback from Canada, Marianne Hansen. So those two kind of shared duties at quarterback in 2014. That was kind of a transitional year. And actually, to my surprise, we did fairly well that year. We ended up tying Chicago in overtime in Chicago with, you know, a couple rookie corners from Canada, you know, that didn't have a lot of experience. And, um, it was kind of an interesting year, but, you know, we went, I think, 2-1-1, one, and one, so not terrible. And then 2015 came in not really knowing, okay, we lost a lot of people. <laughs> we don't know what's going to happen. It was looking like Katie Finling was going to be the quarterback coming in as a rookie. And then uh, started getting in talks with Florida, Florida girls and hearing about KK coming up. So, yeah, once she kind of stepped in, it was just like, okay, we're going to be fine. <laughs> and, you know, KK had been doing it so long and just a total student of the game, very smart, just played for a lot of different coaches and a lot of, you know, flag football background. So um, her and Coach Chris hit it off 
super easy, and, you know, she soaked up the offense. I think before she even got up here, she knew it. So, um, yeah, definitely a lot of different different types of quarterbacks and experiences, but ultimately the experience won it. So I can't complain there. <laughs> no. And you had Renda there. She's so talented. Uh, mm-hmm. Height, reach. I mean, you yeah. you know, just, I don't know, just that girl is just so talented that, um, you know, kind of miss her basically watching her play. Uh, but she, yeah, you know, she was sure. amazing over in Jacksonville, amazing in Tampa. Uh, sort of legendary in terms of, you know, a wide receiver stature. So right. uh, what did you see? What did you see when you first met her? She's very tall. She is tall. She's taller than you think. <laughs> and I was always still surprised when, you know, she'd be in there in the huddle next to me. And I'm like, geez, like you should be like a tight end or something. But yeah, no, she's just super athletic and, you know, she's just great hand-eye coordination, just body awareness and body control and um, great route runner and just, just overall awareness and, and just great experience. She just, you know, she can snag anything around her. So she's definitely fun to watch. Now you got in the end zone plenty of times, uh, plenty of highlight reels uh, that you can look up everywhere. Um, <laughs> is there any memories of those end zones? I mean, you got early end zone catches against green bay you got a bunch of teams um ball hawk and then taking it all the way to the house um oh, so yeah. all those they got to be exciting for you you know the ones that are just snatching enter the 50 yard fields it's so um one two three moves and then you're in you know even one move you're in yeah if you're not it really so, is. um how was how the uh the padded boards for you were they friendly <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're fairly friendly yeah from what I can recall you know it's more the the turf that was not so friendly for a few seasons there we had some of that kind of astro old school astro turf even up until I think the beginning of 2015 we still had against Austin we had that horrible turf I don't know if it was the showers I think it was the showers turf and uh the league didn't travel their you know their own turf that they had bought that game so I have a picture somewhere out there of all the raspberries I had on my thighs and bruise on my, you know, back of my hip and just nasty. <laughs> so, yeah, the pads, I don't mind at all, but that turf was pretty nasty. Was it changed it somewhat and it, did, did it get better or has it gotten better at this point? Yeah, it early? did. In, uh, I'm trying to think if, I think it was pretty bad all the way up until 2015. Um and then they, I think the league purchased their own turf, and so they would ship that turf to every game, from what I understand, but I'm not sure now. But, yeah, it was it was pretty bad those first couple of seasons. You're going, oh, my gosh, you're getting in the shower after the game, and, you know, trainers are going, you need to scrub that out because you can get, you know, MRSA and all this stuff, and yep. you're like, oh, God. So you're trying to put, like, Vaseline on it, and, yeah, not fun. <laughs> Now, going to the pants, uh, Jessica, on the leggings down, uh, changing the uniform. It was supposed to be done last year. It didn't happen. Do you think now mm-hmm. it's more of a commitment to go that route? I sure hope so. Um, from what I had heard, they they were all set to go with those. And when the, the shipment came in, I guess the sizes were not uh, – they were too big, like almost like baggy, you know, and they should be pretty – like a legging, like spandex, should be pretty tight and fitted. So, um 
hopefully they got that squared away. I don't know if they're going with the same company or if they've gone a different direction, but I guess we'll find out on the first game. Sometimes I don't right, know I a, a lot of that stuff. I don't know. I don't know if it's a just a ploy to get more girls out because then they're not as intimidated by you know having to wear that uniform. But then it's like, oh, it didn't happen. So, who knows? Now you were never a trash talker per se, but you did trash talk sometimes with LA because we saw some highlights. But low key, you're always pretty low key. So, was it your intention <laughs> to for somebody just to get it out of you because they didn't come out of you, or was it? They just eventually during the game somebody got it out of you. Uh, if I if I'm getting heated for some reason, yeah, I might I might bring it out, or you know, if I get wrapped up in reading stuff on social media or something, I might have something to say about it. But for the most part, I just let my play do the talking, and, and I can smack talk after all I want. <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's all friendly. It's all you know, it's part of the show and fun and heat of the moment kind of thing, but it's, it's all for fun afterwards. I noticed uh, Temptation Nation had a ten- always had a tendency to try to rile you up, so trying to keep yourself calm, <laughs> especially right. down in Ontario. <laughs> oh, always. I didn't, I didn't need to be riled up for LA. I was always up for those games. Yeah, it's, uh, and you played with Tui on the All-Star games, uh, uh, you know, with the coaching and stuff. Was that fun to have yes. different coaches than Michelson during the All-Fantasy games? Yeah, it was definitely different. I think we still ended up running – I think we were still running our, our offense, Seattle's offense for that. I think Chris was kind of took charge of that. And then I think Tui was more the defensive side, which, you know, for us back then, you know, we were running a fairly basic cover two. So I think a lot of the teams were. So it was pretty similar, um, definitely – you know, too, he's got a totally different demeanor and coaching style than Coach Chris. So it's kind of interesting to see see that and, and experience that, especially with both of them together, being that they're friends. They complimented each other well. <laughs> Chris would be the yelling, and Tui would come over and pat you on the shoulders. It's all right, Jess. <laughs> you know. <laughs> you, th- you think, uh, Jessica, you think Michelson's uh, new role here, is that going to basically with the franchising mentality, his leadership and strong point there, uh, do you think it really maybe elevate the brand now finally to uh, more of a spotlighted, uh, legit type of branding? Yeah, I think so. I mean, if if it's a serious role and, you know, that's really what Mitch has, has hired him to do and he's serious about it, I think, you know, he's he's a business guy, he's a sales guy. He's, he can get anybody to buy into anything. Um so, and I've always told him, I'm like, you need to run this league one day, not just coach, but you need to take over the business side of it and, and really make this thing go. That's just what he's good at. So, yeah, no, I'm excited to see what he can do for sure. It seems like he's very passionate about it, and um, he cares <laughs> a lot. You can, you can tell he cares a yeah. lot. And, right. you know, that's one of the things that really will stand out in terms of leadership because uh, this is what the brand, I think, really needs stability you got a lot of franchises over the years that have either uprooted and left when in reality, right. I think, you know, you should stick to a core base of six, six teams and just really build on it um, and try to get it to, you know, a fanfare. Um, right. The, the fan at Showware, So you're like, kind of like a movie star in a way, or some notable person now in Seattle realms. 
did, did that affect you in some ways once you started getting popular and people maybe started noticing you more often out, outside of the football arena? I don't think it was that big of a deal. I mean, I, I think there's only been a couple instances where someone maybe knew who I was and like said something or, you know, asked me about the season and I was kind of like, who was that? You know, (laughs) but other than that, you know, I don't still think a lot of people didn't even know about the league. Surprisingly, you know, a lot of people just maybe heard about it, but they, they don't know that it still exists. So, um, no, I thought it was fun. Definitely getting to know the fans. I still talk to a lot of them through social media and whatnot. And, they're always very supportive of whatever it is I'm doing. So, uh, yeah, it's been fun to kind of keep in touch and, and see that they're still there, um, you know, just being a fan, which is cool. Now, Seahawks fans, do they recognize you? Um, I, I don't know. I would imagine if they're fans of the LFL and fans of Seattle sports, they, they may have an idea, but, yeah, I'm not sure. I, okay. I mean, I'm I'm helping out a lot with like more of the Seahawks, their youth camps that some of them are doing. Um, and that's just kind of through connections that I've made over the course of my playing days. Um, so it's been kind of fun to get to meet some of them and, and, you know, coach at their camp. So I've got a handful of those lined up already this summer. So this should be fun. All right. So let's talk about uh, being a mom. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, when you started, your your son was very young. Now he's more of a almost an adult like <laughs> individual now. Oh, man, yeah. Yes. Um, yes. So balancing that out of the LFL world, it's got to be very rewarding for you now because now you really get this kind of focus on his uh, his building, you know, to manhood, as they say. Right. Yeah. Um, it's definitely a balancing act, and now that he's a little bit older, I mean, it's still busy he's not driving he'll be uh 17 this weekend actually he was eight when i started playing um and very busy and active in lots of his own activities so and he still is but the timing of me retiring and him being a junior now actually works out really well just because he's super busy he's doing football he's doing track um he's working now just you know one or two days a week in the weekend and getting ready to take driver's ed. So, you know, because he's not driving, I still have to get him to all of these things. So it's, yeah, I honestly don't know how I would have made it. Uh, you know, if I was to continue playing, it would have been extremely difficult to commit as much as I have over the last eight years. But was it um, a moment of your mom is cool from his friends and stuff that when you were playing at this point, or did, did people think you were just yeah. awesome playing in front of big time crowds? Yeah, you know, some of his friends knew. I, I helped coach um, his 7th and 8th grade uh, tackle team. So, you know, a lot of the kids that he still plays with, you know, know that I played and, and obviously have seen that I know what I'm talking about. So, yeah, I would occasionally hear a comment from him saying, oh, Mom, such and such said you're hot, you know, and he'll roll his eyes. It's <laughs> like, oh, really? Nice. You know? <laughs> so it's kind of funny <laughs> to hear that, but... <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's kind of half embarrassment, half like kind of proud, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? It's it it, it was a journey, uh, an excitement. Um, I think I've been talking to on social media just like any other fan with you, and I I think it's been an, an, a tremendous career for you. Um, you know, blessed to not be completely injured in any format. You know what I mean? 
you know, dislocated yeah, knee yeah. or something in that right. nature. Uh, because there's right. a lot of girls that obviously went through that type of process. And so yep. that's got to that's gotta be a, a cool for you that, to finish up your career pretty much injury-free of anything, just for, for minor bruises and scratches. Right. Yeah, that was kind of the goal. But, you know, over the last couple seasons, just seemed to be more the kind of nagging things that weren't totally going away. And, you know, then you compensate and then something else pops up and you're just like, geez, but... You don't get a lot of time off to just kind of let your body heal until the season's done. So I was just like, just make it through, <laughs> do what you can, but yeah, avoid those big injuries. But the muscle and tendon stuff, you know, you just gotta gotta work through. Are you concentrating on uh, going back to competition, or are you just concentrating on your day job with uh, helping others uh, reshape their lives and get better in in health wise? Yeah, just kind of focusing on work right now. Um, obviously, working on getting our girls' camp put together again for this summer and then just taking the volunteer opportunities where I can to coach uh, with some of the Seahawks camps and doing a uh, charity basketball game in June with some of the Seahawks. So that should be fun. And, uh, yeah, competition will always be there if I feel like getting back on the stage. It's just that's a totally different mindset that I have to go into to – commit to doing something like that so I know it will always be there but I don't have like this dying urge to do it it's not the most fun process Um, (laughs) it's a grind but uh, you know I'm just enjoying feeling healthy and getting my workouts in every day like a a normal person (laughs) so being back to normal is cool Um, how about the clients Jessica your clients Mm -hmm. ever noticed you played or did you mention you play or you know, oh yeah, kind Most of, of them were there at the game. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah, they were they were all very supportive, and most of them were there at at least one of the home games, and big fans, and you know they'd come in and be like, "Oh, I told such and such, you know, I showed him your picture and told him that to my trainer, so they thought it was pretty cool, you know, and get pictures with them after the game. So that was pretty fun for them to see me in a different different spotlight, I guess." So, Jessica, the uh, the drawing of people, you made a lot of commitment to the team, outside the team, in terms of, you know, fanfare, sponsorship, uh, long hours, getting the word out, basically uh-huh. on uh, zero budget. Um, has that improved at all, or is it still similar to when you started? I think it's still pretty similar to when we started, you know, as far as going out and um, as as a team and trying to get – sponsorships and you know someone to pay for warm-ups which actually I think the league is actually providing like travel warm-ups this year that's been something that our team actually started back in 2013 you know we found someone we just wanted something to travel in as a team together and and look like a cohesive unit and you know Mitch said that was fine and like every other team has kind of followed suit you know we paid for our own but you know that kind of stuff if you want to get it paid for you kind of got to go out on your own and and see if someone's willing to chip in and, and pay for those and, you know, stick their name in the program for the game day and, you know, tanning, hair, makeup, all that stuff, even, you know, cleats, gloves, you know, everyone's always trying to hustle and, and get some things for the team. So it's not so much of a burden for us out of pocket, you know, for all the things that we need to play. Yeah, your, big, your biggest competitor, before we let you go here, your biggest competitor was it, 
an LA competitor or a Chicago competitor? Who, who would you consider your biggest rival over your seasons? As far as a team or like a certain player that we were always after or. No, I would um, say a player across, across from you, maybe. Oh, um, gosh, probably like, I always had a thing to just burn Ogham Chindu from, <laughs> uh, LA. I respect both their corners. You know, Chelsea Hart and, and Ogham, they've both been there, I think, from probably 2009, 2010 as well. And they're just very physical corners. And, I mean, if you can get off the line, you know, you have a good shot of scoring. But, man, you got to get around. They have some pretty good jams. But anytime yeah. I can get past Ogham and run it, rub it in her face, it was a good day for me. <laughs> she just talks so much I'm smack pretty, and just uh, thinks she's she way is better. So, than she. <laughs> she is so uh, game day uh I would just call it a just intimidator. Gamer. Just tries to get in yeah. your head. You know what I mean? Tries to get in your totally. head. So, trying to get you out of your Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, yeah, I like to do my talking with my play. So if, you know, she's talking smack off the line, I just, you know, I let her know after I score. <laughs> and it's funny because she'd always be running over to somebody else on her team to blame <laughs> them. <laughs> you could just tell. Uh-huh. And, you know, once you do that, you, you totally break down the whole team. Once they start chirping at each other, they're done. Now you guys, you guys win the second championship, and uh, you were right there, and you got very emotional. You know, Mitch was there, everything else. That it, literally your send-off season. Um, I don't think I've ever seen you that emotional ever. You know what I mean? But you were very emotional about it. And is it because the journey ended, and you were just that was just confirming that you were done? Definitely, yeah. Now I'm gonna get emotional again. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. Yeah, I think it was just the. I knew that was it, and I was injured that game, so I didn't get to play much. So part of it was yeah. frustration too, but you know, just happy for our team and happy to get that, you know, kind of Cinderella story or whatever. You know, the happy ending, which is why I came sure. back after 2016. So, yeah. Right. You did. You did awesome. I mean, I mean, we we just. I don't know. I as a as a fan that's followed the league since the beginning, uh, you're probably right there as top five of top three overall. So in you know in terms of memories and and gratitude to you for your on-field play and your excellence out there, uh, there's a lot of fans that feel the same way I feel. Like uh, you obviously you know you were very pro, and you you made awesome awesome moments for ever uh, for all of us to enjoy pretty much. And ultimately, you know, uh, you getting the two Legends Cup, I mean, for for us that follow you, was very deserving. You know what I mean? To finally get some hardware and validate the fact that you are an outstanding uh, player. Definitely, yeah. And I think that was just kind of where a lot of the emotion comes from, is just the amount of work that went into it that not a lot of people saw, you know, and the sacrifice of time with family and, you know, missing out on – things because you got practice on the weekend and it was was a lot so definitely a lot of emotion wrapped up in those eight years yeah and still i don't have any (laughs) tissues to tissues to throw over the airways but if i if i did i'd throw some tissues at this (laughs) no but but we really you know i really wanted to bring you on because uh you have a lot of uh fans not just in the states but i think worldwide if you haven't realized it uh, a lot of people have you know, like I said, taken 
your highlight reels and really impressed with the amount of work and the body of work that you put in as, a, as an athlete on a team. And then the success you had with the team, obviously, just a bonus. But overall, the right. fact that, uh, you know, you were so amazing, um, a lot of not just Seattle fans, but I think a lot of fans overall in terms of who love the, uh, the branding and who also love the style of play, uh, I think would say that you were obviously, uh, you know, should be ready for Hall of Fame. And I think if Mitch is listening, you know, somebody to be considered for Hall of Fame. Well, had the nomination, but we'll see. That would be. Uh, I, think be awesome. I think you'll get in. I think you'll get in. As they say, it's it's a waiting game, just like everybody else in Canada. Right. It's a waiting game. Yeah. But I think you have. Uh, I true. think you have the credentials, and I really think that you'll have a lot of fan support uh, once it, once it's you know done over again and stuff like that. So. Right. Um. Jessica, I really appreciate you making the time. I know you're a busy lady and you got all your other stuff going on, your son and all this other stuff that's going on now in your new uh, new journey. Um, so we, we appreciate you making the time. A lot of our fans on Twitter and Facebook, uh, you know, had messaged me for over six months. And I said, really? you know, I, I try to get older. This is busy and all this stuff. And so um, very excited for me to be talking to you and an honor to be talking to you on behalf of all our fans you know, that on our branding as well as LFL fans that you're obviously doing amazing um, now off, off uh, your career here. And we're looking forward to, uh, you know, you growing your camps and uh, doing those other wonderful things you're going to do outside of the LFL. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I appreciate all your support over the many seasons and, you know, just sharing posts and getting information out there about our league and what we do and all the work that we put in definitely doesn't go unnoticed by the players. Thanks. I really appreciate that. But uh, uh, I wanted just to give you your due because you, you are an amazing woman on top of that, an athlete and uh, a great mom. And uh, wow. I, I, I'm looking forward to the camps because I know once uh, they see you in action and uh, the way things uh, you coach things and things like that, I think uh, parents are going to be very inspired by the fact that you're uh, putting yourself out there and, and giving the opportunity to all these young little girls to, and, you know, take advantage of what football can bring to them and give to them. Uh, and then, um, you know, maybe get them into flag and just change their lives right. pretty much. Absolutely. That's what it's all about. All right, Jessica, I'll be in touch. Uh, I will keep tabs on you and uh, I uh, wish you continued success. I really appreciate you making the time today and being on our podcast. And uh, we hope that uh, everything goes well and, uh, Everything is, uh, seems like it's going to be up and running, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, the camp date. And that you said it was going to be in May, right? Uh, actually, July. We're going to go with July 28th. Okay, yep. so we'll spread the word out. Um, if you send me the link, we'll go ahead and post it sure. up, and then uh, try to get a, try to get as many people, you know, to register and get that everybody there, so that it becomes a real success. Sounds good. I appreciate it. All right. Have a great night, Jessica. All Thank right. you again. Thank you. Yep. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. All right. So that was uh, Jessica Hopkins, uh, four-time All-Fantasy All-Star, two-time Legends Cup um, winner, and one-time Legends Cup Canada winner. And uh, as she's mentioned here, she has obviously uh, gone through a lot uh, in the career. She started with the league in 2009 finished up in 2017 uh, with the Legends Cup as well. And now she's going to branch out and try to, you know, uh, help out in the community, give back. And um, she obviously is a personal trainer, so 
a lot of she's basically changed a lot of people's lives as well in her regular day job and so uh we can be more proud of her she should be in the hall of fame she should be uh, maybe a, you know able to get into the hall of fame between now and then and i think she will uh it's one of those individuals that deserves to be in the hall of fame and uh she's done a lot for the league a lot for the seattle miss community and so uh god i just uh, I wanted to bring her on because a lot of our Twitter fans, you know, a lot of our Facebook fans really wanted to see what's, what she's doing now, especially in this off season. And she talked about the league and how things are changing and evolving, franchising, branding, um, you know, Coach Michelson in the uh, league offices, uh, the direction it's going to, the goal to get to 2020, to get uh, almost 30 teams up and running. Um, so the changes are, are there. She's probably not going to see them here at this point because she's already retired, but uh, she did create the somewhat of a foundation and put a face to a brand and try to get all that out there. So it's pretty awesome. Um, we're going to be uh, having uh, coming up here in the next huddle. We should have uh, Odessa Jenkins of the IWFL Texas Elite Spartans, and then Brian Sewell of the IWFL um, as well Texas Elite Spartans. Uh, Odessa was part of the 2017. Dallas Elite Championship team, and uh, we're going to get to talk to both of them about what it looks like in 2018 in a new league, uh, especially against the Utah Falcons, uh, for the most part. And so uh, we'll we'll be pretty excited. Um, add us on Snapchat uh, on Snapchat dot com for such great iron beauty. Uh, we got athlete takeovers and no joke football brand specials all the time uh, every week and. We want to thank Kristen Moore, Catherine Veracruz, Emma Diaz, and of course, uh, this coming April, we are going to have the phenom, Kansas City uh, Titans quarterback of the WFA, Brooke Leach, in uh, doing some takeover for us in uh, April, as well as other international stars. So stay stay tuned to um, our Snapchat, and then stay up to date on Twitter and Facebook. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Instagram Gridiron Beauties for amazing athletes and moments in women's American football. And always like our Facebook page. Check it out. Spread the word. Weekly updates, breaking news, and inspiring stories of women's American football globally. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to our Zazzle shop, uh, Zazzle Black, for free shipping. And so let's uh, go into the huddle right here and, on, and see if we can get the Dallas the Texas Elite Spartans owner, Odessa Jenkins, in the house. Odessa, how are you doing? Good. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I'm very, very excited today to talk to you. Uh, a lot of stuff going on in uh, women's football, but especially in the Texas Elite Spartans, the new Texas Elite Spartans. Um, so uh, a lot of questions to ask you, but uh, I'm you know, obviously you can answer them. You don't have to answer them, but we'll go right into it. New season. Are you looking forward to facing the Falcons? That's my first question. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's exciting to, to be facing uh, new opponents and, and women's football. I'm, I'm excited to face the, the energy uh, and the yellow jacket first. Um, they they they've got something so definitely wouldn't look past them. I, I respect both of those organizations and I think they're some of the best teams uh, in Texas. And so 
definitely better than some of the opponents uh, that I've been able to play in the past and in the state, so I'm excited about it. Um, but if we had the honor of playing Utah, I would absolutely love it. I've been trying to make that game happen um, for a couple of years uh, to get a Texas team out to play Utah. So I'm excited if if if, uh, if everybody takes care of their business and we're able to meet up, it would be an epic battle. All right. Uh, I'm going to throw some uh, darts at you, so you can either dodge them or just go ahead and nail them out there. Um, can you tell us <laughs> – uh, I know there's, you know, legal issues with it, but can you tell us what happened between the Dallas Elite's ownership between you and Maria Spencer, and why are we at Texas Elite Spartans now for 2018? Yeah, um, it is It is complex. Um, I think that uh, it's hard for all of us to separate the emotion of football uh, from the business. Uh, especially when a lot of them, the teams, aren't actual businesses anyway. Um, but uh, for me, uh, this was a very, very, very hard decision um, to move away from a business that I founded and uh, loved and put my whole life into. Uh, I was one of the most uh, difficult decisions uh, of my life and something I think I'll consistently look back on. But uh, the reason is pretty simple for me. Um, I really uh, respect uh, Maria Spencer for everything that she did to help build uh, Dallas Elite and uh, make us a a champion. But we had um, different ideas about how we were going to run the business and it all came down to the fact that um, Maria was majority owner, um, but I was handling from start of the business to the time I left a very, very large majority of the work. And um, it came to a point where I, over the years, um, every year, um, wanted to expand the business and bring on new partners and try and try new things, and that just wasn't the way, uh, wasn't the direction that she wanted to go. And so we had different business philosophies and needed to go different ways. Um, I've heard a lot of things about me wanting to do it on my own. As a matter of fact, I have a new business partner. It isn't about doing it on my own at all. Um, It's just doing it differently. And uh, I ultimately have a goal for to serve the women who play and the men and women who coach this game and to not have it, have it suck them dry the way it's done multiple champions over the last 20, 30 years. And uh, I want to see this game give back to us all. So that's why I am no longer a part of that organization. Now, Odessa, uh, a lot of people, you know, will – have their sides or whatever you had a bunch of players that were that obviously supported you and they're now on the texas elite spartans you had other players on the other side which isn't the you know the original dallas elite was that something emotionally you had to go through here or explain to anybody at this point or was it more like just pick, picking sides at this point 
No, I think there's a lot of emotion involved, right? I mean, it's a it's a sisterhood that you uh, grow up in. You you bleed, you you sweat, you um, you play for each other, and so I think that it's always emotional um, when you start something together. Uh, a lot of us have been together um, for a decade, uh, for a very 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 long time, and so. Um, Deciding to change that and move in a different direction was absolutely a risk for me. Um, I was happy that the people um, who chose to come and do something new came, and uh, I wish the best for the the folks who don't. Um, Obviously, it was my goal to attract as many of the best athletes that I can hear of, learn of, um, to, to play for anything that I'm associated with, that has always been the case. You know, when um, I won a championship with the Lone Star Mustang in 2010, you know, I had uh, 10 people who came with me from the Dallas Diamonds to that team. They won their first national championship in 2010 as a result of us taking 10 people from the Dallas Diamonds and bringing them to the Lone Star Mustang. So it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a tough industry, women's football, um, but uh, there's no love lost for me um, for anybody who chose to stay. And I'm more focused on the people that we're riding out with right now, and we're going to go try and do some amazing things on and off the field. All right, so I'm going to throw a big, tough one here. Okay, you go from a successful 64-league 64, 64 uh, stature, to a probably collapsing IWFL last year to kind of reviving it to 16 teams this year, given the internal uh, issues that this, the IWFL has had with, you know, with uh, Frederick and Disney in the past, as just to be blunt, uh, why would you move there when you were, had a pretty good team, a good thing going in the WFA umbrella? Yeah, I think, uh, I think our original choice, um, clearly would have been to play in the IWFL and or play in the WFA and um, play with some familiar foes and challenge, you know, shit, play Dallas, play anybody. Um, I've come on the show a lot of times and any team that I'm wearing the shield, I'm willing to travel to and play anybody in the country. That's never changed. Um, and so I think that that wasn't, uh, it wasn't an option and the IWFL, was gracious enough um, to take us on. We were challenged, I think, and have been a challenge for them, and they've shown um, support as much as they could. But um, my philosophy on the success of, of women's football is it's way bigger than the league uh, because what does success mean, really? Um, I'm looking at the last five champions, and I'm looking at the women who have won championships. I mean, <laughs> There are a lot of women who won a national championship last year that don't even have a championship ring. That was supposed to be the big deal, right? Um, and so you, you talk about successes of leagues. What does that mean? Well, how, did the, how have the businesses actually evolved? What has been done differently from the players from the day that I signed up as a Dallas Diamond and was paying 1500 and won a national championship and got a ring and still paid $1,000 the next year? to winning a national championship now, what has changed? What does successful league really mean? 
that you got more teams paying more money? Is that what that means? Because I, I mean, does it does it mean that there's going to be a global sponsor? That there's a strategic plan in place? Does it mean that people get more? Like, what does more really mean? You you, you gave me a hundred and twenty five dollar ring. Um, I, I'm just trying to understand what exactly does that does that mean? What does better mean? So the question is the same question I've asked for a long time. Do we go business model or do we go recreational model? I think your mindset well, is more business model. Major, yeah, well, that's, that's if, if we talk about, you know, everybody has complaints about women's football and, oh, there's dissent is the problem and we must stick together and we to stick together to do what? You know, I look at this business and I look at it as a business and I, I, I look at it as a passion as well. I'm convinced that the people who are in it, including me, might not be the people who take it to where it needs to be, and I'm willing to sacrifice that. I don't know how many people that you're going to put on the phone is put into women's football what I have that would be willing to say that, but I mean it 100%. When this, there was a, there's a new league that popped up here in Texas that was supposed to be pro, I called that guy three weeks before I split with Dallas and said, listen, man, if you're really paying players and you legit have a league sponsor, I will give you the contact information of every single woman on my team. Because I, I, I mean it. When I say I'm here for, for it being bigger than, and better for the player, that's 100% what I mean. And so I think how can we actually say that something's got better when you're combining amateurism and and people who are trying to be professional in in the same setting. We don't even have an identity. So I, I really struggle with it. Odessa, you've always been very vocal about how we're not moving forward and we're staying the same. I've always uh, – we've always talked about it on the radio, even with myself, is how this is literally a broken puzzle in a lot of ways. Uh, the ownerships are not unified. So there's a lot of intangibles internally within the industry, as you're mentioning. So for you to branch out um, to, let's say, the IWFL at this point, is is the IWFL going to get better, number one, or are we looking at you shifting somewhere else in 2019? No, I think the IWFL will absolutely get better. I think that, um, in my opinion, uh, smaller is better um, in, in, in today's model. We've already seen growth does not mean improvement. You know, Chicago's gone. St. Louis is out for the year. A, a lot of great teams, some, a lot of the well-known teams are out. They, they can't sustain in the existing model. So why not change it? Hey, why not change it every year until we figure it out? You know, if we were any other startup business, Right when the WNBA was doing their thing before they were the WNBA, I lived in California where that league was starting up. There was literally a different way of doing things every single year, and it's because the 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 potential powers that be were willing to take chances and bring new people in and new faces. I'm willing to do that. Now, I will challenge you on a couple things, and maybe you can answer or not answer. We have an executive council that was announced by the IWFL, which seemed like a great idea because you put together a bunch of, you know, owners with one vi- one uh, vision moving forward with a business model mentality, with business 
business backgrounds and all that stuff. But ever since that announcement, there's nothing that has basically given the perception that this is going to get better. Um, it looks like it's going to be same old, same old. So can you speak to that at all? No, I think that this, for me, it's learning the model of the IWFL so far. You know, I think, I think it, as I said before, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't choose this model. This model was the best opportunity for my team. It's one that I've talked to you about before and going smaller, so it's, it's, it's not radical for me to think that this could work. Uh, but I think before I can say that this is the right group of people, we got to work together. We got to get through some seasons. We got to see what happens to the women who are serving these teams. Uh, we got to look at how the teams are serving this league and how it continues to develop. So I think the jury's still out on that. But I think the model works. And again, what does work mean, right? Does what is all of our goals? And that's probably why you haven't seen much because I don't know that everybody still has the same goal even at the executive council level in this league, people come together and generally they have the same goals when they're running uh, associations. The association of the, the league, the association of whatever is, 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 is driven from a similar goal. In this case, the association seems to be driven in these leagues from a very unattainable goal. Like, let's just have all women play. I don't, I don't know how to achieve that, and still get the things that women care about, like not having to have two jobs to play, like not having to drain your bank account to make practice. Like I don't know how to make that happen, and and have all women play. I don't know how to do that. Nobody knows how. Nobody figured that out in the last forty years. Right. So maybe we. No, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I. My my only concern is you're you know you're moving here to this new league. Uh, the West Coast is pretty much a tough uh, travel cost of you know in, in terms of that. But you do have better competition. You have San Diego. You got Utah yourselves. Should, should be competition. Austin. Uh, there is a core group of teams that can, if bonded together and, and maybe sat down collectively, could elevate you know the brand to a point where somebody does feel like it's worthy of you guys with business sense to sponsor. You said it. I didn't. Yeah. You said it. I did. I did say it. I, I just think that. Yeah. I, said <laughs> I just think that, that where you're going and where your thought process is, is absolutely aligned. Um, I think that the IWFL leadership wants a lot of the same things that I want. Um, I think that to think that bigger means better in a startup sense is not accurate in any other business, so why should it be in women's football? And I think that um, I would love, right, I would love for the best teams to all get on board, but I think we um, have seen that 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 can't be the place. Everybody wants to be the boss, um, and a lot of people don't know how. Sadly, yeah, that's the case. Um, So, Odessa, Let's talk about Texas Elite uh, right now in terms of where you're at. Obviously, roster, you're probably almost there. Um, you have uh, Bryant Seawall here, who should be on the line here. Brian, welcome. Um, thank you. And, 
And so between the two of you here, um, we, we're looking to, towards the IWSL 2018 season and, you know, logistics and costs and everything else in terms of all that. Was that worked out previously um, to that and coming in here? Uh, so either of you guys can speak to that. Well, let me add a little bit to what Odessa said on the model, if you guys can hear me. I'm dialing in sure. from Europe, so uh, there's a little bit of a delay, but it sounds like you can hear me. The one thing that has always been missing from this model, to just be perfectly blunt about it, is resources. You're going to have a group of people together um, that all have the same mentality, but if nobody has any resources and nobody has the ability to make those things happen, they're great ideas, but they can't be implemented. Um, Everybody, you know, keeps talking about national sponsors and that kind of stuff. Well, that's terrific, but those are a long way off. There's going to have to be a lot of consolidation, a lot of unification, and it still is going to be a while before that happens. Um, What Odessa and I are trying to do is take to the next level when, you know, and try to create a model that actually is based upon having those resources. There's a lot of things that, you know, the Texas elite doesn't have to do that other teams spend a tremendous amount of their time doing, like fundraising. We don't have that problem. We don't have to worry about that. You know, travel, not a problem. Our team is fully funded going into the season with whatever budget there needs to be. That's probably never been said in the sport before. So when you have the resources in place, well, when you have the resources in place to do that, you can do different things. Odessa's vision um, and mine are very much aligned. I, I owned the Phoenix Prowlers for years. I was affiliated with the Caliente and Jennifer Cato, who's very highly respected, tremendous woman who brought a lot to, to this league. It was great to be able to watch her, uh, you know, back in the early years kind of put things together. I've seen the Catherine Masters model. I've you know, been through a lot of these different iterations of leagues. And it needs to be about the players and paying Five hundred, seven hundred, eight hundred, a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars to play a sport. As good and as talented as these athletes are, it's just not realistic in my mind. It, it shouldn't be. And so we have the resources to do things that other people haven't done before, and we're going to try on that model and see if we can help people replicate that model. And I think you'll see a lot of changes that people never thought were possible. Well, now they're going to be possible. Bryant, uh, if, are we taking this to the IWFL hierarchy? Because a lot of people are skeptical based on how that model has worked in the past. What do you, what do you mean by skeptical of, of which model? The, the ownership and structure. The IWFL ownership, partnership, and structure have never been you know, moving forward, they've always been somewhat of a, you know, critical with certain things or things have come up where things are uh, changed out in rule books and just a lot of, a lot of chaotic drama in, in a lot of senses. So my question is, it's a great model that you're putting up forward, but is this realistic for the remaining teams in the IWFL to kind of like go along with? Well, I think there's drama in, in, in any sport, unfortunately, I mean, if you look in some NFL locker rooms, I can assure you 
uh, drama is rampant, and, and, you know, you would think that those guys should have the model down pretty well. Um, I think that both the IWFL and, and, you know, I've been around since the late 90s in this sport, going back to the early days of the Caliente. And, um, you know, I've seen a lot of changes. I, I, I have to, I would be remiss if I did not, uh, you know, mention the fact that, you know, I know New Jeff and Lisa King before the WFA existed, and I think that they have done an exceptional job in taking the WFA from an idea and building it into a very credible and a very good organization. I've seen the IWFL go through several different iterations and, and organizations and all that. And I'm not sure that we have the league model down yet. I think we've got some people that really put a lot of work into it and have shown some improvement. But again, without the resources to make these things happen, they're still going to be struggling. I think sometimes we create some of our own nightmares. You know, the rule book should be pretty much set at this point. Um, and, and there's, you know, there's lots of ways to eliminate drama. Uh, and that's going to be something we're all going to have to work on. I think the IWFL certainly has potential. I, I think they do some things well and some things not so well. I think the same thing can be said for the WFA. We need to take the best of everybody's ideas and put it together in something that can actually work that's better for the players. The players have earned it, and, you know, it's up to the ownership to bring in what we can to really help the players achieve, you know, what they're capable of doing on the field. Now, you have some good teams in this league that you guys are uh, about to venture into. Is this of a conversation with all of them as well? No, so this is just, I think, before, you know, the the thing that Brian and I have always kind of agreed upon is in order to have a proven model, you have to prove it. I think that part of the mistake in the past has been, let me give you an idea, to Brian's point, without resources, unproven, and then come come help me with my idea, come replicate what I've shared with you but haven't proven to you. My goal is to have something that's proven, and the timeline on that may be short, may be long. But I think my goal is if if we are going to be reputable, Brian and I, in this business, then we need to show that we can demonstrate that not only is this something we've achieved, but it's something that we can replicate amongst the teams that are associated in the league that we're in. And I think that that's just not a question we can answer today and not a subject we can broach with other ownership until we prove out our model. Now, you're talking resources. Is this equipment suppliers? Is this funding? Is this What type of resources are we talking about? Sponsorships? Relationships? Well, I think that, you know, we look to a lot of external sources for that kind of stuff, but it has to start with the ownership. I mean, to Odessa's point, and, and I've seen this happen, you know, more times than I can remember. Everybody in the world really isn't destined or capable of running a, a football team of any stripe, let alone a women's football team. And you have a lot of owners come in that don't really have the money to make it work. I mean, it's just not something, you know, there, there are players, there are coaches, there are owners. When you look to the NFL, and I granted that that's a long way down the road, but 60 years ago, they weren't in that different of a situation. 
you didn't have people coming in that ran small businesses and and that kind of stuff. You had people coming that ran big businesses and had the resources and had the money on their own to be able to build it to a point where they could bring in the sponsorships. And I think one of the things, and, and this is obviously a challenge, is you have to bring in ownership that has deep enough pockets to run it themselves. Then you have some more legitimacy to go after bigger uh, bigger people. Perfect example, very popular show, Shark Tank. Most of those people that go into that particular arena, some of them are looking for capital, but mostly they're looking for connections because somebody's going to take Mark Cuban's call, but they're not going to take that guy's call. Well, we don't really have any of that yet. I want to get us to that level. Um, you know, sponsorship are great, but again, a lot of it comes from the owners having the resources to be able to do this on their own before they can expect other people to put money into it. So it's going to have to start there. Now, Bryant, uh, attendance being the big issue where people don't, you know, that's one of the keys, sustainability to getting a brand or a business to sustain, which is customers. So not having enough customers in a certain market base or having, you know, uh, longevity in terms of a branding to present to uh, folks that also limits your resources. So is, is this model different in terms of we're not going in the, the old style model? Are we going in a different model? Like you said, with more, somebody more of a venture capitalist, which is more uh, putting in more of an investment opportunity. Um, I think that I can tell you from what I've seen, um, you know, and I was, a lot of this came from watching Jennifer Keita and the Caliente. I mean, they did, they worked their tails off to get the word out and bring people in. And this was before social media and before a lot of other advertising platforms were out there. I mean, I've watched Odessa over the last couple of seasons and all of her players, and, and they're all billboards for the league and, and the teams. And I think that's gotten a lot better. But I'm sure everybody that listens to this can probably think of several times a month they go out and say, hey, you know, I play women's football. And they go, what, women play football? And and that's something that we're going to have to continue to overcome. And I think people are doing about as good a job as that as possible. Um, but a lot of the resources are going to have to come initially from owners' pockets. Uh, you know, in our case, you know, we don't need sponsorship. You know, we love sponsors. But we want them to be a credit to the team, a credit to the players, and something that's going to bring value, not just putting a bunch of logos on the bottom of your of your sheet. They need to be people that can really bring in and make a difference for the league, for the players, for the team. Um, and I think it's going to be a combination of, of, you know, trying to get attendance up. But you can't be dependent upon attendance. You know, particularly teams in smaller markets are always going to struggle with that. We, we see that in sure. Major League Baseball. You know, we see that sure. in other sports. I mean, how can how can the Milwaukee Brewers compete with the Yankees? Well, they they never will. But it's because they're supported by the other clubs, of course. That's true. Yeah. Well, you know what, Odessa and uh, Bryant, we've talked about it at length where a WFA Eastern conference model would probably be ideal for certain things. So is this similar in you guys' eyes over here on the West coast? Because you, the product is there. If you guys put together a good quality team with good athletes, the San Diego's, the Houston, the Seattle's, you know, et cetera, 
the product is there. So that's one key right there. So Brian, is that one of the resources to spotlight? Is, is it the product or are we talking more business and external from the actual gameplay? Well, I think it's got to be both. I mean, you've got some teams out there that are really got good long tenures and, and have shown that they can survive, you know, kind of bootstrapping it. I mean, I, I would take the, the Pittsburgh Passion perfect example. Excellent, excellent franchise. Uh, Seattle, uh, Houston, um, there have been quite a few of them out there that have done very well when they've struggled, you know, because they, they didn't have a whole lot of the pot to start with and they still made it work. Um, I think that, you know, you're going to have to get, you know, you're going to have to have the strong teams kind of blaze the trail and show that it can be done, and and those are people that we certainly want to work with to build them up and get them to that next point and then trying to go down a level and try to bring those people up. Um, and, and each market is different and has its own has its own challenges. You know, I, I would certainly hope that some ownership groups and people with a little bit more of their own resources, not necessarily venture capital, but um, people that that can kind of do it on their own, can get involved and pick it up to the next level. And um, I think it's going to have to be a kind of a all available, you know, all hands on deck, everybody available to build up everything you can. But once that model is is achievable and once it's been proven to be successful and we hope to prove that this year and multiple years, then it's something that, you know, we can help people emulate. And I think to Odessa's point saying about, hey, if what you're doing isn't really working, I mean, where are these greatly successful teams on the field that no longer exist? Not because they weren't great on the field, but because they couldn't sustain themselves. Well, there's two that, pieces to the pie, thing. and that's usually yeah, two pieces to the pie here. There's there is the on-field play and product that needs to be exceptional, and then even then you don't you might not get the attendance, and then there's the business side of things, and we've talked about that at length in the past, where like, to your point, people get into this business not knowing exactly how it's going to run because a lot of people get into this business not being business minded, and that ruins. Uh, the whole brand, the sport, uh, it literally, you know, basically makes fans just walk away instead of, you know, diving in. And so you guys' model, you guys' model, as you guys are saying to me, resource-based, uh, which a lot of people will say, well, where, where are these all resources come from? But the resource-based model is, uh, I think, you know, more focused on running it, as Odessa was saying, running it as a true mom and pop. Because when you run it as a mom and pop, they are intangibles, and you must sustain yourself. Uh, if you can't make payroll, guess what's happening? You're cutting payroll. That's the way it is. Yeah. So it's the same concept sure. in any other business. So, if, you know, if you're not going to be able to, you know, run as a true business model, then uh, why are we here? I mean, I can tell you right now from my experience, if, if I don't sell enough shirts for whatever reason, you know, this month, next month, I don't have a podcast. And if I'm not getting any revenue from a podcast, guess what? I'm not on air. It's really simple. It's, it's as simple as that, right. mathematics. So I, I think a lot of people. You don't get to go to your employees and say, we didn't sell enough shirts. Okay, instead of me giving you guys $100 this month, I need you all to give me $100. Yeah. 
you don't get but, you don't get to go do that. And so, yeah. but that but that's what we're doing when it's football. We're, we're saying if I can't make it work, if my if conceptually is from a strategic standpoint, if I can't go attract the right, you know, I I'm not rich. But if I can't go attract the right people with my product, right, right, and have the resources, then I shouldn't be putting on a business. That's right. I, I should, I should and that's be what, putting you through this. Right, and that's what I'm saying. It's it's, it's kind of like a tra- I, I don't want to say travesty, but that's a harsh word. But reality is that I mean, I'll, I'll give you the base of it. Okay, the WFA has six legit teams in in, in tier one, probably six to seven tier two. And the rest of D3, it's like throwaway money. They're never going to get to another level. And unfortunately, it's true and it's sacrificed and everybody wants to do well to get, you know, the sport notice and give opportunity to other people. But in order for it, order for it to be elevated, it has to stop. It has to start at Tier 1 to have the conversation of how the big brother on the East Coast maybe needs to take a look at you just like the WNBA uh, or the the NBA took a look at the WNBA. Uh, Brian, here's an example that I always bring up. Okay, the the NWHL. Okay, the NWHL, a perfect example of how it is run as a true business. Uh, I was reading up on them for a long time. Uh, I've talked about this before, Odessa. But anyways, the the NWHL went to Dunkin' Donuts. Okay, and they said, hey. If you want to support the sport, just pay for the arena, the arena fees. Just pay for the arena fees, okay? They've done everything else. They covered – the players covered the travels. They covered some of the expenses. Dunkin' Donuts even went further enough to support them with travel. They still had to, you know, uh, come up with their equipment costs and everything else. But year one for them was a success because they were able to get a big resource, as you're calling it, to get them up and running, they were still physic, uh, fiscally responsible for certain other things, and they had to be in the green. Otherwise, they were, they were going to go under. And I think this is where we're at in women's football. We have not achieved that moment yet. No, I, and I wouldn't disagree with that. I think that, you know, if you look at the most successful businesses out there, there's a reason why there's a requirement for entry. I mean, you know, go try to start a McDonald's. Go try to start a, a, a Jimmy John's or a Subway. You know, you have to prove right, exactly. that you have your own resources to do it, or they're not going to let you. Because what you don't ever see is once a McDonald's is open, it doesn't usually close. I mean, no, because in order to go, I think even Jimmy John's maybe one of the smallest requirements. If you don't have a hundred grand liquid, they're not even going to talk to you. Okay, we've got people out there, and that's where I think Odessa is exactly right. More is not better. Sometimes less and consolidation is better. Um, And and I would agree. And that's why that's why I'm saying uh, we have too many teams. We need less that are more powerful and sustainable with the resources. Hey, you know, you wouldn't think that you wouldn't equate a subway franchise and a and a football team, but you probably should. If you don't have a hundred grand sitting in the bank to be able to use. Maybe you shouldn't go down this road. You don't, you know, and that's kind of the level. You know, this is not a ten thousand dollars sport, particularly with the travel involved. You don't have a hundred grand in the bank. Maybe you shouldn't start a football team. And but we want everybody to be included, so we kind of fight ourselves on that. You know, well, we don't really have that kind of money to start this. 
but at the same time, we want to play ball. And You know, well, okay, well, we want you to play, but at the same time, you know, the not having that kind of cash capital available just, you know, ends up going to the same place. Right, and, and that's why I'm saying uh, the, the fact that you can't literally see the fact that you cannot sustain yourself is a big problem. And that's why I posed the question at the beginning, you guys, uh, for both of you is, okay, uh, it's been shrunk to 16 teams. We could probably shrink this IWFL to maybe 10 teams, legit, 12, if you want to make it more you know, sustainable. But I would say probably 10 more legit and, and in more close proximity. But the quality of play is going to stand out no matter what. So the resources should come from that aspect of it because it's uh, is appealing. So is that what we're getting at now? Is the fact that we need to really focus on get, being appealing to other people so that those resources are obviously more uh, in kind? Well, I, I think sustainability is a big part of it. Go ahead, LJ. Yeah, but, yeah I was going to say, Brian, that I think – it has to be appealing. I think that's one of our key issues, right? So I study branding a lot. And one thing about uh, word-of-mouth branding, which is a huge part of sports growth, a lot of sports have grown niche sports because of word-of-mouth. Social media does a great job, but word-of-mouth is a huge part of marketing. Actually, only 7%, and they say 7% of your growth as a small business comes as a result of what's happening online a great majority of it happens through other mediums. So when people come out and they tell somebody at work it's a huge, what happens at work and what happens in your social life is a huge part of how you share women's football. Any women's football player will tell you. You walk into a restaurant, you talk to new people, those people are more engaged and more likely to come to your game than some your neighbor who heard about it on, the, on social media. So then you get that person that you've engaged at work to come to a game and it's a tier one team playing a tier three team and the tier one team beats the tier three team by a thousand not even on purpose it just happens and then they're playing on grass and there's seven people there now that word of mouth marketing that could have been worth thousands of dollars to you is worth negative thousands of dollars to you because that person only will ever come back they're going to tell somebody about that experience. Hey, this wasn't football. They were running into each other, hugging each other. It was weird. Right. I love OJ, yeah. and I'm not going back. That, that, that's what's happening. And so, yeah, it's got to be appealing. It's not even appealing to me. And, I'll, and, I'll and that's, what, that, that's what I'm saying because it's, it boils down to, you know, there's key components uh, that you have to check off, as Brian, Brian has alluded here key components that you have to check off before you even start running. You can't turn the car <laughs> and the engine to, to run with tires uh, when you can't seem to figure that out. So um, my question to you is, well, Odessa, use that model that you just had. Use that model that you just had. If you look back to the founding years of NASCAR, you know, it was right. – you know, hey, I got a car and I got two spare tires and a tank full of gas. Let's go race. And that's where it started. I would venture yeah. that if you probably don't have five to ten million in the bank, they're not even going to, and probably more than that if we're truly looking at NASCAR. Yeah. You know, you're it's, not going to be yeah, able to compete wait. with Roger Penske and those kind of players. Oh, no. 
No, you 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 might as well just not even start. <laughs> just wait. That's the no, way it boils down. I think it's important to know that we're like I'm not an uppity women's football snob. I think that if you want to have a minor league and if you want to do it differently and you just want to play, empower women. Go play, man. But I think when we're talking, I'm talking about pro football. I'm not talking about amateurism. I am not talking about teaching. I'm talking about high-level athletes playing a high-level sport, delivering a high-level product. I am with everybody being able to play. I just don't want to play with them. So, Odessa, um, a lot of people will take offense to that because they say you're just abandoned <laughs> the majority of the people to play. But reality is we have to separate recreational from business, which I've been saying from day one since I started covering the sport. You know, it, 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 the business end of it, if successful, will then sustain the recreational side of things and still be, uh, make it a feeder system. And I think that's, I think that's your, you know, your uh, pitch here is, is that. Why, uh, we got to get to this fence over here in order for us to still maintain the other side. We've been doing the other Absolutely. side, and it's not getting us anywhere. There's working. no fence on the other yeah. side. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm I, not, I, again, I, I, I agree with you. I'm not trying to be an asshole. Yeah, I, I, I really – Right, exactly. Anybody who's ever dealt with me knows I'm all for women playing this sport. I'm all about empowering them. But sure. I can't continue to watch them just be sh- shitted on. Like it, it's hard. And women at every every talent level, like it's it's just sure. tough to continue to watch this. And if I'm wrong, at least I tried, man. At least I didn't sit back and watch you get done the same now, way. No, I. You know what? I, don't I will have anything. to give you. I will have to give you credit. I can tell you right now, uh, on a business side of things, you're in business. Brian's in business. We're all in business, pretty much. And on a business side of things, uh, there are just certain things that have to happen in order for you to go forward and, and increase revenue, in, uh, add staffing, uh, you know, uh, increase branding, uh, align yourself with other, other folks that can do something cheaper or something with more quality but less, less cost. There's a lot of intangibles. But to your point, both of you guys, this is the thing that I've been settling in, you know, in the podcast for a long time is, you know, you got two leagues you got the leaderships in two leagues that obviously are recreational-minded, which I have no problem with that. That's fine, you're recreational-minded, but don't call yourself, you know, WFA pro football when you're not pro football. It's just, you know, just might as well just call yourselves, you know, just the WFA football because pro football is when you get paid. And if you're not getting paid, that's not professional football. It's just the way, I mean, that's just being legit and it's the way it is. But reality is you've got to get to that pro level. Um, you know, whether a tier system works, it works in soccer, tier systems work in soccer. Uh, you got the WNBA that now has the G League, and it works in the, in the NBA as well. Um, so there's a lot, of, a lot of ways, as Ryan would say, with resources that have to be enlightened about your sport, but they're not going to put the time and effort into it if you don't have a real business model. And I think that's what we're getting at here. Well, and a lot of people out there need to realize that uh, just because somebody comes in and, and has a different way of doing it, um, that's not necessarily a threat. And something that something that OJ mentioned earlier was, you know, everybody wants to be the boss and everybody wants to do this. And I mean, I remember way back at the beginnings of of this sport. I mean, there were a couple of leagues that existed that purely 
seem to be driven on the model of, well, I'm going to get rich as a team owner or a league owner, more importantly, um, on the backs of the players. You know, hey, if I have this many players, pay this many fees, and blah, 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 that's a cash cow for me. And, you know, that's just not the way it should ever be done. And when people come in, and it's a lot better to work with people than have to work against them and fight them. Um, but it also means the people that are there that maybe don't have the resources and don't have the ability to write some big checks don't necessarily need to pick fights with the people that can. Maybe if we all work together, we might get a lot more accomplished than going, well, you know, I don't like how you're doing it or, or you, you know, you're, you want to take away what I have or that kind of thing. And, you know, that just makes it a little bit more difficult instead of working together. I mean, and that means that people that are there in the sport now need to be open to working with other people and, and having new ideas and people that have a little bit deeper pockets coming in instead of going, oh, well, you know, that's not the way I want to do it. So, you know, I'm going to sit there and make your life miserable. You know, it, it needs to be more consolidation and things are going to shrink before they expand. I think that's inevitable. No, Exactly. And 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 if you're in a, in a real business model, that's usually the case. As I talked about earlier, with you know, you're not making sales. Guess what? You're going to slash payroll. First thing that goes in any business to stay alive. So you're not adding staffing. You're cutting staffing, or you're trimming hours, whatever. That's the way it works in in you know in real business. So, um, so Odessa, you know, I, I really appreciate you coming on and you know, kind of clarifying things uh, for our listeners and obviously the the fans of women's football. Uh, a lot of things were said and posted and things were put out there. And, you know, I had Lynn, I had Lynn Ellington last week, you know, uh, voice her, con- her, her concerns as well. Um, I have yourself today. I, I think, you know, the, the attitude should be that, you know, going forward in this season coming up in April here, um, you know, we will have two outstanding uh, products that maybe one of them uh, either or, will eventually get us to a level of recognition and maybe get us to that pro level. Yeah, man, I think the better, you know, there's some really good football teams in Texas and there's some, you know, and, and we just created another one and that is good for football. Dallas elite going to be a great team. They got great coaches. They got great ownership. They got knowledge. They have a lot of things over there. Um, I, as I've always told you, uh, I feel like I'm associated with um, some of the greatest players that have ever played this game. And Bryant has come in and really pushed me in terms of some of the ways that we do things in women's football. And um, the players that we have this season have are some of the best that we've ever had. So I don't worry about anybody else when it comes to that. I think if we're talking on the field, uh, name the place, the time, and and we anybody. Um, I don't even, I don't I don't think twice about that. I got my same quarterback. I got the the WFA MVP on my squad. I got the defensive player of the year on my squad. I got an offensive line and defensive line that I'd meet up in any alley with anybody. So when it comes on the field, I'm not worried about it. When it comes off the field. We got resources and we got brain power and we've got um, strategy. So I, I feel like um, 
women's football is in is in good hands and in a really awesome place, even though there's a lot of quote-unquote drama. Drama needs to happen. This thing needs to shake up, and I'm going to continue to shake it up until these women get what they need. Period. All right, Odessa, Bryant, thank you for making the time. I really appreciate it, and you guys coming on, and I know you guys are busy people, and, and I really appreciate that. And uh, I just wanted to clarify that for the fans and the listeners out there, and hopefully they were enlightened with some of the new concepts and things that, you know, we want to go forward with and, and make one of these two leagues a viable business model to where, you know, you get the, you know, the next level to the next level. And I think that's it's going to take a, a while. Like you said, maybe it's going to be a couple of seasons to do it with a, a different mo- a model set. So uh, I wish you guys very uh, continued success in this uh, type of uh, change. Thank you so much. Perfect. Thanks for the opportunity. All right, guys, have a great week. Uh, we'll be in touch. Uh, thanks again for coming on. Uh, enjoy your uh, travel out there, Brian, and safe travels back home. Thank you. All right, take care. All right, you guys, uh, that was Odessa Jenkins and uh, Bryant Seawall of the IWFL Texas Elite Spartans. And as you can tell, the sport uh, needs a, ch- a shakeup, as Odessa mentioned here. And it's not a bad thing. It's something that needs to be done. We need to get to another stage. Uh, whatever model we have now, there's been some improvements made to it, tier systems included. I think it's now a situation where we do need to get into a resource mode, as uh, Bryant was saying. So uh, a real business model, non-recreational mentality. Let's hope the IWFL leadership, including the existing IWFL 16 teams there, uh, really sit together and brainstorm this, and maybe they are the ones that will move the sport to a professional paying athletic sport. Um, So at this point, one or the other needs to make it happen, whether it be uh, the WFA or the IWFL, especially in the United States, I think it's their responsibility to get the sport to a pro level considering it is born in in, in America. And so there you go. So there's, you know, two sides to a story. Uh, If you miss our podcast, uh, 214, you can uh, listen to uh, Lynn Ellington and Mike Ellington talk about the Dallas elite and uh, Maria Spencer's situation there and their thoughts on it on terms of the divide and and separation. And today uh, here, you've got to uh, listen to Odessa Jenkins and Brian Sewell explain their part of it and what their vision is going forward for the sport. So um, just, you know, a lot of changes need to happen in order for us to get to be viable and to be a real business model, you know, similar to the uh, NWHL, similar to the WNBA, et cetera. Um, So hopefully they will get there and they do it well. And hopefully that's the case because uh, it needs to happen. So uh, I'm hoping that that's going to make the change and it's going to happen real soon. Uh, we got a couple minutes here. I uh, invite you guys over to our Zazzle shop and uh, No Joke Football Shop. Get T-shirts, leggings, and gifts. Use daily codes. Save big at Gridiron Beauties, Zazzle.com, Gridiron Beauties. Subscribe to Zazzle Black for free shipping today. I want to thank everybody that has uh, added us on Snapchat. Please go to Snapchat. Add us at Gridiron Beauty for athlete takeovers and No Joke Football brand specials. Uh, check out all our cool stuff on our shop. And I want to thank uh, uh, Odessa Jenkins and Brian Sewell for coming in today, as well as the talented uh, Jessica Hopkins, uh, the All-Fantasy Legends Cup winner as well, for uh, chiming in and uh, giving us insights in the LFL, as well as her journey now outside of the LFL. 
Uh, check it out, you guys, WFAProFootball.com, IWFLSports.com. Check it out. The new schedules are out for 2018. See what local regional team is in your area. Get your tickets now. Check out some of the excitement that's going to happen in this 2018 season in April. We're also looking forward to the uh, AFBD in Germany, the uh, WWCFL in uh, in Canada in May, as, plus, as well as the NWFL, FX Mexico, Lexpa in Mexico. We're going to cover it all globally. That's what we do here. And you can check it all out at facebook.com forward slash Beers. You can also check us out on Twitter daily for up, daily updates, health tips, and NFL news. Uh, so check it all out at Twitter forward slash great iron beauty so uh for my co-host uh holly custis uh Luis bean and troy wilson they're not here right now they'll be here next week oscar lopez saying thanks for tuning in uh don't forget to subscribe to our apple podcast on the apple podcast download over 200 episodes with amazing athletes and coaches just like we interviewed today and so uh go to our facebook page get the link there or go to our twitter feed on our bio so uh, have a great day everybody We'll catch you here next week right here on the Great Iron Blitz on Block Talk Radio and Apple Podcast. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.